given the fact that today is Halloween, I just needed a guest this morning who could tell us some spooky stories today. And the first person I thought of was Wyndham historian Bev York. Not a lot of days do I say, I wish it was television, not radio. But as expected, <laughs> Beverly came in dressed for the occasion. My goodness, Beverly, where'd you get all that gray hair from? <laughs> yeah, this this <laughs> costume has more gray hair than I do. Absolutely right. Thanks for noticing. And then you got a little uh, light show going on today, too. I, You know, I've been here 53 years. I don't remember everybody having a light show in the studio before. What are you projecting on my walls here? Uh, these are witches <laughs> flying through the air. Are they Wyndham witches? Uh, they... Witches are everywhere. If you believe in witches, they are everywhere. Oh, look, there goes Elizabeth Shaw. All <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> Shall we start with her? We can start with her if you like, yes. Okay, who was Elizabeth Shaw and why are we talking about her on Halloween morning? Well, my goodness, uh, this, she is, she is the ghost that, perhaps haunts Wyndham Center. Uh, this this is a, based on an actual story. The first execution in Wyndham was in 1745. Uh, Elizabeth, also known as Betty, was uh, sometimes considered a simpleton, um, and she became an unwed, unwed mother and was accused uh, for killing her baby. And that she had this child out of wedlock and perhaps left it out in the woods to die. Nobody really knows if the baby was born alive or dead. Her father perhaps turned her in. Um, the person who came to arrest her was Nathaniel Huntington, Samuel Huntington's father. Uh, she was um, jailed, and then there was a trial, and she was found guilty. Um, and then she was going to be hanged in December. So she, on the day of her execution, was sitting on her coffin, and there's a, a report that her frozen fingers were tapping against the coffin, and it sounded like pounding in the nails. Um, so sadly, there was this execution. It went down Plains Road to what is presumed Gallows Hill was overlooking the Chetucket River. Um, and she was uh, hanged there and buried nobody knows exactly where. And um, so her ghost is said to walk up and down Plains Road especially the hill between the level plains and the Wyndham Center Green. There's a, there's a hill there. And on one side, there's a swampy bog area with some woods. And people have seen a woman in white looking for something there. So it is assumed that she's, she's looking for her baby. And she also is said to have haunted... Uh, haunts the Wyndham Inn. Now, one thing that's um, that's strange is that the inn wasn't quite built in 1745. The inn is later, um, and it's an amazing structure. Actually, there's a preservation group right now who's fixing it up. 
the Wyndham Preservation. There's a book coming out, too. Doug, ah. Doug Fleming writing a book about the Wyndham Inn. Oh, that's wonderful. And so uh, she has been seen in the inn. And actually, it was somebody who worked here many years ago, whose name I forget, who lived in an apartment there. And he told Gordon, me... Gordon Smith. Yes, yeah. I believe it was. Told me that he was opening the door and uh, something came right up beside him. He could feel the presence. He could even see out of the corner of his eye the presence of something. And as he turned his head, it disappeared into thin air. Yeah, he told us a few stories that took place at the Wyndham Inn. I don't know if they're all Elizabeth Shaw related. But when you talk about her walking on, on uh, Plains Road in Wyndham, what was the last reported sighting we had of her? Is it recent times? Or was it like 100 years ago? No, I'm saying two years ago. Wow. Yeah. I have actually talked to people who have seen her. So, and they seem credible to me. So, um, and I actually, I've talked to people who have seen um, women in white and ghostly spirits, if you will, in other places. So, uh, I did a little research and... Um, it used to be 45%, but now it's 41% of Americans are absolutely convinced that there is uh, ghosts, paranormal activity, spirits that they do believe. I wonder why it went down. That's an interesting trend. Right, right. So, but, uh, but still, that's, that's quite a few people who are totally convinced. Paranormal is uh, defined as things that happen that can't be explained. So... Um, some people think, well, I, my house is haunted and I hear noises in the wall and I hear creaking and I hear, you know, something's on the roof. And a lot of that could be uh, explained by science. You know, it's a mouse, it's a, a, the branches, the wind, uh, whatever. Um, but things that just totally can't be explained, that's the, that's the stuff right there. Now, Bev, I get the feeling, knowing you as I do, that you are in that 41%. Well, I try to be on the fence, <laughs> but I have things that have happened to me that I can't explain. So um, some of the things that uh, happened uh, at uh, Nathan Hale Homestead in Coventry, I, that, there's just no explanation for um, some of the things. One of my favorite stories is um, there was always two docents there. Docents are the, the tour guides. And they will switch off giving tours. And um, we used to be, many years ago, uh, starting the tour out in the barn. And so one of the guides would take the first group and go in, and then the other guide would wait. So the first guide went in and was giving a tour around the first floor, going from room to room. And then there's a, a beautiful staircase and... Uh, just about to go upstairs and hears noises up there and says, uh, hello, are you up there? And the voice came back, yep, I'm up here. So finished the tour, I thought that was a little odd, finished the tour and then went out and saw the other guide out still in the barn and said, how did you get ahead of me? How, wh why were you in the house? And the guide said, I was not in the house, there's nobody else in the house. So that was a voice that was as clear as day. Um, there have been other voices. There have been a pitter-patter of children's feet. Um, chains, clanking chains from the basement that people believe is 
Joseph, one of Nathan's brothers who was imprisoned in a British prison ship during the Revolution. Um, we think a lot of our state hero, Nathan, but five of his brothers also served in the Revolution, and four of the stories are not good. So, um, yeah, so, th so there's something there. Uh, and well, well, the first sighting was many years ago in the early 1900s when George Dudley Seymour bought the house. Uh, he's the benefactor who bought it, restored it, and then left it for, for history. And um, he came uh, by train and then rented a horse and buggy, I think, and drove up to the house and peered into the window and looking right back at him was a man dressed in colonial garb wearing a tricorn hat who is believed to be Nathan's father, Richard Hale. So, so there's been a lot of um, doors opening, lights going on and off, voices, lots of, lots of things happening in Coventry. Now, so far you've told stories about sightings in the Windham Inn, which goes back a couple hundred years. The Hale Homestead goes back a couple hundred years. Are there any reported sightings in a house that's been built since, say, 1900 or more recent times? Well, one thing I can say is for people that um, have had experiences with these um, apparitions, ghosts, um, a lot of times they live in old houses because a lot of people died in old houses. So today people die in a hospital perhaps or in an elderly facility, um, but everybody died at home in the old days or on the battlefield. So, um, so if they died young, perhaps they have unfinished business. This is one of the things that a lot of people believe. So most of the stories are from um, older places. The, the Capitol Theater was built in 1926. There's something going on in there that some of the students um, think they may have experienced. Um, and well, the other night I gave a talk about the ghost stories, which I hadn't done in a long time. And I had um, a couple people tell some stories that are recent. And one is about a lady who, uh, she was there and she, I don't know how old she was, maybe 60 perhaps. Um, and she talked about, this is not a sighting, this is a, something that happened. When her, her husband passed away and one of his prized possessions was his watch. So his watch uh, sits on the mantle next to his photograph. And um, every once in a while she'll look at the watch. The watch is running, it works and it keeps tremendous time. But every once in a while she'll look at the watch and it's stopped at 5.37, the exact time that he died. And then she'll look, and it just stays there at 5.37, and then she'll look at it again later, and it's running, and it's exactly the, the time that it actually is. She can't explain that. So that is an incidence of the paranormal that somebody has had that is, that is fairly recent. Um, and uh, two people that were there both said, that they had experiences with cats that had passed away. 
that the cat is deceased, but that they, they will see the cat or feel the cat jump on the bed and make an impression in the blankets, just like it did when it was alive. So there were some people that had experiences, and that was, you know, I was a little freaked out by that. And you touched on the Capitol Theater ghost. Yeah, there's been actual uh, spirit seekers that have gone in there. I've had them on the air not recently, like 20 years or so ago I did that. But uh, tell us more about that. There's something about the balcony, wasn't it? So there, there is. She has been sighted in the balcony. This is, this is the old Capitol Theater, not the current ACT. This is the old Capitol Theater. Um, and there's, you know, one wall of it of the old building that still exists. So people are still curious if, if there's a possibility that she's still in there. And um, so what this takes back, the Capitol Theater, I mean, it's a wonderful building now with, with some uh, s- several small theaters and, of course, the classrooms for the students. Um, but when it was built, it was this um, immense theater with 1,200 seats, and it had an 80-foot stage. It had um, 10 dressing rooms below the stage, and um, it had box seats. It was really uh, elegant and and wonderful, Um, and it was used for vaudeville shows, being right next to the railroad tracks. Trains would bring some of the acts and some of the scenery and go in the back door of the Capitol Theater. So as the legend has it, that in the 1920s, there was an actor, two actors, and an actress. And they had a love triangle. So um, both of these young actors were both in love with the same woman. And they were having a, a terrible fight. And one of them um, drew out a pistol and uh, aimed to shoot at the other, uh, the other man and the young woman ran at him no don't shoot don't shoot and of course ran into the line of fire and she was killed so it is believed that perhaps the this beautiful young actress is the one who haunts the capitol theater and she has been seen her ghost has been seen on the balcony it has been seen um, there was from the balcony like floating in the air um, there used to be an elaborate, elegant uh, marble staircase. She has been seen there. And um, so a number of people fi- have fi- felt their presence. Now, way back in my early years, it seemed like there were some people um, that put uh, some sound equipment inside for Halloween night to see if they could get voices. And they were able to... Um, get sounds, but there wasn't anything that they could distinguish that was a person's voice. And it could have been street noise. But uh, yeah, so she's uh, caused quite a commotion in there. Have you heard anything since they rebuilt the Capitol Theater as Arts of the Capitol Theater about any uh, sightings or other presence felt since then? So I've talked to two students who seem to have felt a presence, um, and they... So and they were doing a report. They wanted more information that they think that they have felt um, a presence. And also, when the room gets colder, sometimes people feel that change in temperature um, means that there's something there. Well, you've heard about the frogs of Wyndham. Today, we're discussing 
The Ghosts of Wyndham with, <laughs> with Bev York, who just put on a show about ghost stories. She just referred to that uh, a little while ago, and so we're telling some of those stories here today. Bev, why don't ghosts go out in the rain? <laughs> I don't know. You sent me this. You just forgot the punchline. Why don't ghosts go out in the rain? It dampens their spirits. Oh, there it is. <laughs> That's it for a morning show guest on Halloween. Who am I going to call? Well, that'll be Bev York, who has come in this morning not just to regale us with ghost stories, including local ghost stories, but she is dressed for the part, even though it's radio today. You want to describe for the people a little further about who exactly you are this morning, Bev? <laughs> well, okay, so I have on a um, very gray wig of an old woman with sort of a, a bun in the back that's um, and, uh, very thick. Yeah, hair. A, lot of, a lot of hair up there. A lot of hair. Yeah. It's a big wig. It's a lot of hair. Um, and uh, a long uh, navy blue skirt. And a very elegant uh, blouse that's like a ja- has a jacket and a, a shirt that matches. It's got like shiny <laughs> stuff. What's that? What's that shining on it? I mean, it really it's, it is really nice. It's a very shimmery, <laughs> um, dressy uh, top. Hmm. And um, right now, I am portraying Ida Strauss. So, um, Ernie and Anita have these. Titanic, well, they have a Titanic collection that they share all the time with people, and they have had some events and some um, parties, and I usually play the unsinkable Molly Brown. That's my part. And by the way, tell people off air what I said. You you, you said you're going to tell who you are, and I said, let me guess, Molly Brown. That was my first guess. That was your first guess. I was wrong. You were wrong. (laughs) So um, I love Molly Brown. She has a great character. She is, you know, loudmouth. It fits. It's all good. That was Kathy (laughs) Kathy Bates in the recent movie. Correct. And uh, she appears in all the movies. There have been several because she's quite the character. Um, however, this particular Titanic event that was just held on the Shabu stage is ghosts of the Titanic. Everybody who attends has to die, has to be one of the people who didn't make it. So I chose to be Ida Strauss. I am one of the four first-class women who didn't survive. Now, um, I am married to Isadora Strauss, and my husband is um, half-owner of Macy's Department Store. So we are first class all the way. We are quite wealthy. Um, And when my husband couldn't get on a boat, um, I chose, I'm not going. We've been together all these years. And where you go, I go. And if you die, I die. So I stayed with him. Now, he was actually offered a seat um, on a boat. Somebody said, well, there's room. Look, Mr. Strauss, come on and sit, sit here. And he said, no, not until all the women and children have been um, saved. A true hero. A true mm-hmm. hero, right. Um, so I gave my, took off my elegant fur coat and gave it to my maid, and she went in a lifeboat, and uh, we stayed. And so we perished. And that's, that's my story, Ida Strauss. Do you think Ida met Jack or Rose? So, well, I don't know, and um, we everybody loves Jack and Rose. That's just a tremendous love story. Um, of course, we know they are fictional, 
But I got to tell you that there was a real Jack Dawson. And um, I learned this, and this is amazing. There was a, ja- a man named Jack Dawson who was a coal trimmer. Now, a coal, the person shoveling the coal, they have to keep the coal on both sides of the ship um, even and the weight even so that the ship doesn't list one way or the other so that it goes it's level sort of like that plane did last week when it tilted back when people were getting off the plane yeah that's amazing right (laughs) so there what really was a jack dawson he was down in the in the uh bowels of the ship and um and uh shoveling the coal and uh, keeping that uh all together and he has a grave, evidently, in the Titanic Cemetery up in uh, Canada, where many of the, sadly, many of the bodies washed up. And um, after the movie, a lot of people put uh, flowers all over the grave, thinking that there really was a Jack Dawson, and that was the Jack Dawson in the movie, but well, it the wasn't. Movie, the movie guy was so, fake. We know The that. movie guy was fake. I will say this, that I was just flipping the dial around, I think it was Sunday, and I stumbled across that movie, playing, by the way, on MTV. I remember when they used to show music videos. Now they show three-hour Titanic movies. But anyway, I love that movie. I thought that was such a cool portrayal and the, the you know the, the love story between the two of them and how it ended up was really good. And then at the end, you know, she drops that jewel into the water. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal yep. story there. Yep, well but done. one thing, as you tell that story, that I wouldn't remember if I hadn't seen the movie, was that when Old Rose, played by Gloria Stewart, is talking to the, the crew in modern day about Jack... She said, I have looked for records of Jack, and I can't find any record of Jack. And now you tell me that apparently there was a Jack Dawson, even though she said otherwise. Yes, there was. Yep. Different, different Jack. A different Jack. We, we think. Well, she would have been looking at passenger lists. I, I wonder if uh, there, you know, crew lists existed or whatever, so... Or whatever. But, yeah, that's interesting. But I've, I've got a buddy of mine. It's actually the guy that I co-wrote the Yukon book with, who's a big old-time movie buff. And he loves all those old movies about Titanic. I think I think his favorite is It Happened One Night. And he hated that 1997 Jack and Rose story because of the fact that it was, like, fictional history. It didn't really happen that way. I thought it helped tell the story of what it might have been. I thought it was really well done. And not to mention the special effects and what it looked like when the boat sank. Oh, man, that was creepy. But anyway, uh, t- tell me what else happened that day up on the Shabu stage. Because, you know, Ernie does a great job. And I, I, did he tell the story? And I will tell you now that he's told me this on the air many times before. A lot of people call it the Titanic. Oh, no, it's Titanic. There is no the on there. And I noticed in the movie they didn't say the Titanic. They got it right. Ernie would approve of that was that ever discussed or were you aware of that little no, but nugget now that you say that i know he said that several times so i'm sure i did it wrong already but <laughs> yes he played the captain uh he usually plays crew but he played the captain and um asked all the people what who what parts they played and uh so so it was pretty interesting because we had never done all people who passed away. Before. I remember you had a fundraiser at the Mill Museum one year, and who did he play? He, he, he was the captain, I think. I think he was uh, John Smith or whatever the captain's name was, and I was the MC of that event down there. Uh-huh. 
a while ago at the Mill Museum. And while we're on that topic, too, let's talk about some of the events that have been going on. You got the Titanic thing at Shabu stage, and you also had six presentations of Nightmare on Main at the new venue, the Veterans Center. Was it well attended, and what were some of the things people liked the best of Nightmare on Main, which is an annual event? Correct. So Nightmare on Main is a is a wonderful um, event where about 40 people are in the cast and crew, and they get together, and they spend a lot of time putting a lot of effort into sets and prop props and create some stories um, loosely based on, on real history, real historical events, and, and tell a story. And a lot of people come. We had five sold-out nights out of six. Um, you mentioned Friday the 13th. Uh, that, would, that was totally sold out. <laughs> and uh, so um, it went very well. We started, it with, the theme was all Hallow's Eve. So it was the history of Halloween, how it came to be. And the very first scene was the Druids. And many of the, um, the traditions of Halloween could date back to the Druids. They are also um, somewhat uh, related to the Celts, which we would say Celts or Celtics, but it's the Celts um, who uh, lived in Great Britain um, uh, over 2,000 years ago. And they believe that on um, October 31st that the evil spirits were going to come and get them. That, so they wore disguises. That's where this idea of wearing a mask, uh, changing your, your, um, your identity comes from so that the evil spirit won't recognize you. So they also built bonfires to keep away spirits. And... Um, they also sacrificed uh, children um, and animals. So they, they had things that they would do to ward off uh, the evil spirits, which they all uh, definitely believed in. And that sort of also morphed into um, where people would go house to house looking for food, and that's maybe where the trick-or-treating thing came into, came into play. Um, and so, so that was one of the things we did. And I did a, um, a wax museum, uh, was one of the sets that I worked on, which was filled with people who were um, horrible people in history. <laughs> so uh, that's what we, that we did. There's, so an was, ir- there's an irony there, because you're one of the best people in history, <laughs> and you're one of the worst people in history. Did you, like, scare people? And was that the goal? So every year people say, you know, it's amazing, it was a wonderful show, it was better than last year, but it's not that scary. So I guess we're just... We're just not. We, we don't want to do gore, we, and we we don't want to we don't want to touch people. We don't want to have things brush against people. We we don't pop out in front of, in the dark. So we I guess we don't really scare people, but we creep them out because a lot of our stuff is based on real history, and this really happened, and oh, was that creepy? So so that's what we do, and uh, we raised a lot of money um, for the Veterans Center, the Veterans. Um, uh, socialize there and have uh, services there and it's a wonderful place that's good and you've got some events coming up at the jilson house museum november the 15th is tavern night what happens then so tavern night has been a really great um event we're doing it every month and you're you're going to meet somebody or hear their story um a little interesting facts that you don't already know perhaps and also what they ate and drank 
So um, last month we did Stephen King, and his favorite food, by the way, is raspberry cheesecake. Sorry I didn't bring you any. Uh, actually, there were so many people there that we could have used more. Um, I thought it would be a Cujo cream. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was great. We've done. Uh, the original concept was to do famous people who came to Willimannock. So we did Teddy Roosevelt, and we did uh, Howard Taft, and we did um, uh, Buffalo Bill, and people who played at the Loomer Opera House, which is right across the street behind me. Was Charlie Chaplin one of those? He yes. came too, yeah. Yes, and so we started out doing that, and then we morphed into other people who are really, really interesting. So last Halloween, we did Edgar Allan Poe, and um, that was great. So... So the one coming up is um, actually JFK. We have somebody who's going to play Jackie, and she's going to be amazing. Pillbox hat? Absolutely. <laughs> um, the whole thing. So Tavern Night is uh, it's a Wednesday, and it's a $10 donation. So, so come to the Jilson House and, and check that out. Another thing we have coming up is called Songs of the Season. And this is um, the night of the tree lighting. So the day after Thanksgiving is Friday, and we light the tree. We have the wonderful lighted uh, truck parade. It's not just fire trucks anymore. There's um, the light parade that comes up to, uh, down by the Christmas tree, and then they light the tree, which is right next to the Jilson house. So you can take the opportunity to go inside the Jilson house. Last year, we did the Christmas Carol, the story of Scrooge and the Three Ghosts. So this year, each room is going to be decorated for a different musical um, song. And uh, we have musicians, and we have singers, and we have decorators, and it's going to be fabulous. So you can come on Friday before or after the tree lighting. And then Saturday, there's a Christmas festival in Jilson Square and on Shabu Stage. And will be open during the Christmas festival from 1 to 3. So come and support the Jilson House and really get yourself into the spirit. Good stuff in the past, good stuff in the present, good stuff in the future from Bev York, who joins us this morning. You have more uh, local ghost stories or even non-local ghost stories for us today? I, mean, I have another... I don't know where we're going here, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I, I have another Willimantic story. Um, so this is a house um, that's here uh, in the city. And it's across the river. And I had a friend who used to live there. And he told this story of what happened to him in his house. And But I want to start out by saying that um, many, many years ago, I was doing one of these uh, programs at the museum of telling the ghost stories. And um, uh, so the, the newspaper put the picture of the, of the house in the paper. And the person who lives there currently um, came to and saw the picture and uh, came to the program. And I said, and they said, "What well, you put my picture in the, by paper in the paper? What's this?" And I said, "Do you have anything strange that happened there?" And she said, "Yeah, the dog goes crazy at the bottom of the staircase, and we don't know why." So um, the story is that the man who lived there with his elderly mother. The things in the dining room got all moved around. He would dust the beautiful dishes and things, and um, they would be moved. And he didn't know what kept moving these things. Um, and his dog went crazy. The, so the dog saw something on the staircase. 
So that's a story that there's something living in that house, a former resident or a maid that's keeping the dining room tidy. And that is why Bev is here to tell stories about ghosts and spirits on Halloween. Always a pleasure, Bev. It's always something different, always something fun. Thanks for stopping by today. Thanks. Happy Halloween, everybody. Did you know that living in a nudist colony takes all the fun out of Halloween?